If I'm going to be stressed, it should be my own stress that's stressing me. Not your stress. Amen? Amen. And so, like, uh, th- these past two weeks, I've been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been not doing well in terms of physical health, right? Battling some physical stuff and, um, mean, hard to even get up in the morning. So I started the whole devotion, but the people do it now, right? And I just could not, uh, uh, one, I couldn't go to sleep, and then I couldn't get up in the morning. All right. When I ended up going to sleep, I just couldn't get back up for the thing. And, you know, I don't know. I said, all right, should I go to the doctor and get this checked up? And I just said, you know what I'm going to do? When I wake up, whatever time it is, I'm going to be unbothered and just talk to Jesus. And whatever it is he did, my health feel better and I'm feeling better. And so I give God thanks for that. I want to encourage you this morning before we get in the word. Be, 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 be unbothered by the, the clutter. Because it will always be. By resting in Christ the Savior. Just come on, tell the person beside you. Don't let it bother you. Seriously. Like. But, but this sermon this morning, I promise, is going to bother you. <laughs> We're talking about a forgiven heart in our series on matters of the heart. And we're going to talk about the very important but difficult thing of forgiving people and forgiving ourselves. But I want to help you by saying this firstly, that forgiveness is forgiving. All right? Forgiveness is forgiving. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is forgiving. If you separate the two words, they call those things compound, compound words, right? Two words coming together to make one. But when you separate them, for example, cupboard, or, right? It's cupboard, but you have a cup and you have a board, you put it together. Don't try this at home. You get a cupboard, right? But, but that, that's how it works. So for and giving, you put it together, you get forgiven. So forgiving is for give in. In other words, it's not for you to keep, it's not for you to have, it's for you to give. So tell the person beside you, I forgive you. Because it's forgiving and they're going to ask you, for what? Just them, I don't know yet, but whatever it is, you're forgiven. Like, that's awesome. Like, like, like you, you just walk up to work tomorrow and say to some people, hey, you know what, man? I, I forgive you. And they thought, I, I have this thing that I have to give. It's called forgiveness. I'm giving it to you. And here's how I know it's real because Jesus Christ forgave us before we even did anything. Do you know that he has already forgiven you for next year? Jesus forgives us of all our sins. Past present, and future. Now, I know it's hard for us to understand how we could, but, but here is what he says in, in, under, in helping us to understand it. You don't, know, you don't even know what you're doing. That's what he said on the cross, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it was while they were doing it. 
Jesus was forgiving his enemies while they were doing him injustice. And he said to the father, they don't even know what they are doing. So let me give them forgiveness. That's nice. Matthew 6 from 12 to 15 is our text this morning. This is going to be good, right? This is going to be good. It's going to feel like it is for you. You're going to feel like this, this is directed at you. And somebody told past your business. That's true. I was called by the Holy Spirit. And he told me exactly about you. So I'm going to talk about it this morning. It, that's cool? Alright, it's not cool. Alright, alright, don't worry. Alright, Matthew chapter 6 from 12 to 15. That's where we'll be speaking from this morning. As usual, I ask you to stand for the, with me for the reading of the word. We're going to read it. Um, and then we're going to pray. And then we're going to get into the word. Just lift your Bibles up if you have a Bible. If you have it on your phone, that's fine. If you don't, we will put the scriptures up on the overhead. And if you can't read what's on the overhead, may God help you. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your Bibles up and declare with me that this is God's word. Not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened, and I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me read for you. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We decrease this morning so that you would increase. Lord God Almighty, this is your church and your people. Church doesn't belong to a group or a pastor. It belongs to you. It says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Speak to our hearts this morning. We need heart change. So change us from the inside out in the name of Jesus. May your perfect will be done and may your kingdom come. Open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your voice, our minds to understand your word and our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. May we be ready to do that which you command by scripture. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Forgiveness. Jesus uh, had a lot to say about forgiveness. and When he taught his disciples how to pray in what we now call the Lord's prayer, Jesus said, and this is the New King James 
translation, it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Right? And so, uh, there's a, a, a comma, and then what they call in English a conjunction, which is words tying uh, two sentences. So, it says, and. So, if you're buying, if you go to the supermarket, for example, and you say, sell me some rice, you say, rice and peas. Rice and flour. Rice and who said rice and flour? I hope don't cook for me right now. Just kidding, right? Well, people don't normally go. I don't know, but but you right? So because they generally go together, you say you say you have aki. Can I get some? I'm telling you, you guys are so smart. You understand me? Um, do you have a toothbrush? Can I get some? You know what? I'm going to stop right at. <laughs> I think we need to stop right here. So it says, uh, forgive us our debtors. We also forgive. We are forgiven our debtors. And it says, and lead us not into temptation. Which is, in, in scriptural study, is helping us to understand that there is an issue or a connection with forgiving people and temptation. In other words, if you're unforgiving, then you're going to have problems dealing with temptation. It goes on and says, but deliver us from the evil one. If you don't forgive, you're going to have problem with the deliverance from the evil one. There is a connection. That is why forgiveness is so important. It says, for if you forgive men, you, you hear it, right? You can underline these things in the Bible if you don't believe me. It's right there. If you forgive men, come look at somebody and point at them and say, if you... So the onus is not put on the person to forgive you. The onus is put on you. If you forgive men when, when what? They sin against you. So when someone does you evil, if you forgive them, your heavenly father will also, connection again, forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive you. Now, will not is very important because will not is a decision not to. It didn't say he cannot do it. He can, but he wills not to do it. So God makes a choice that if we refuse to forgive, then we will not be forgiven. And I think that's a big deal. Because seriously, we literally instruct God in how he should judge us by the way we choose to judge others. The context of our relationship then must be this way. I'm going to treat you not based on how you treat me. I'm going to treat you based on how I want God to treat me. In your marriage, that's the context of a healthy, biblically based marriage. In your courtship, that's how it's supposed to be. Imagine with me, if a young man walks up to you as a young lady, and he begins to treat you in the way he wants God to treat him. Imagine what that relationship will be for you as a female or for you as a young man. If a young lady walks up to you and all her heart's desire is to treat you the way God treats her. 
we are going to be judged based on how we judge others. So if we hold grudges and hang on to resentment, we are directing God to withhold his mercy and his forgiveness from us. You know what they say about uh, uh, bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment? It destroys the vessel that it is in. It's kind of funny because many times when we are holding on to resentment and bitterness, the person that we, we caused us the, 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 the pain is free. And we keep ourselves in bondage. They don't even care. They probably are dead. They probably don't remember your name. But you're still upset with them in your heart. And you're dying away and you're living the happy life. Can you imagine your offender is causing you pain and enjoying pleasure? Come on, tell your neighbor, say, I don't know about you, but that ain't happening to me. The person beside you must be saying, eh? <laughs> but... You're probably sitting there saying, well, pastor, all that is good and dandy. But, but why should I forgive? Yeah, yeah, why should I forgive? Well, because if you don't forgive men, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. But yeah, yeah, but, but, yeah, but, but, you only talk. Why should I really forgive? In, in our minds, we know that forgiveness is essential for a Christian. But in our hearts, we still harbor resentment and bitterness towards others. Uh, people will say that, boy, I'm a very good Christian person, but we can't forgive my father. We can't forgive my mother. We can't forgive my husband. We can't forgive my boss. We can't forgive my uncle. We can't forgive my auntie. But me love the Lord and me go to church every day and me serve. Like, you can't be a good Christian and be unforgiving. They don't go, they, call, what they call it in English, oxymoron. That's what it is. I'm telling you, these big um, uh, uh, words. Right, right. Listen, it can't happen. You can't be a good Christian and be unforgiving. You have to let it go. But many people know that they need to forgive, but they find it hard to forgive because the pain is so deep. In fact, some people feel like we'd be promoting injustice and unfair action if we simply forgive the debt. So if you forgive the person, you feel like you're promoting injustice. You're promoting what they did. You agree. No, you're not. Listen, forgiveness doesn't mean consequences are removed. People still endure the consequences after they have been forgiven. You are give, a good example is this guy named Aubrey was killed in the States. I think it was somewhere in Georgia, one of those places, can't, or Atlanta. Don't, don't remember where. But when it got to the sentencing at the court, the, the, the parents were there and they had said that, you know, they had forgiven the persons who took their son's life. But the persons are still behind bars. But they are forgiven. So forgiveness doesn't mean that consequences are removed. But sometimes that is how we feel. So we don't want to forgive. Because we feel like we are letting the bad person get away with it. 
Like, if I, if I do this, they get away with what they did. They don't. It seems especially galling to offer forgiveness to someone who is not even sorry for what they have done. Have you ever been there? The person not even sorry for what they did to you. They don't even care that they hurt you. Why should I forgive them? They don't deserve my forgiveness. Or even worse to someone who keeps on repeating the offense over and over. Should you, should you really forgive them? I know some of you want to say no, but you're in church, so you're going to say yes. But, but they're going to do it again and again and again. I, I, I like how Jesus does it, right? He do it up front. Our forgiveness is up front, so it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. He doesn't need to calculate how many times you have done it to eliminate. Because he puts it up front. Say, all your sins are forgiven. So when we enter into relationships, here's how we enter. Everything that you're going to do, you're forgiven. You have freedom. I'm not going to tie you down or marginalize you by giving you an amount of times. This is the last time. And if you ever do it again, it is OVA. Like, 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 remember, we are to treat people how we want. No, 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 no. How we want God to treat us. So how do you want God to treat you? Do you want him to step into your life and say to you, if you do it one more time, it is, I can't spell over, O-V-E, all right? I'm just, just, just work with, just work, right? No, you, we don't want that. We don't walk up and say, well, you never forgive me, so I am not forgiving you. Because it's not about the person, it's about our Savior, who forgives us over and over and over again. So let's face it, it is hard to forgive. It really goes against our human nature. So I am going to see what scripture teaches about how we can become forgivers who give forgiveness. So lift your hand with me and say, as of today, in Jesus' name, I am a forgiver. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All the resentment all the bitterness, all, all, all the people are released in Jesus' name. So, so here we go. We forgive because a forgiving heart knows how much it has been forgiven. You know how much you have been forgiven. When I think about my life and all that I have done wrong, I cannot put a limit on how much I forgive people. I, I, I must be forgiven because God has forgiven me of so much. It, it, it cannot measure up. I have not yet equaled in pouring out of forgiveness what God has given out to me. I can't equal it because just one of my sin equals death. 
So every moment I'm alive, I have been forgiven. Every second that I live, Jesus Christ, by his blood, is forgiving me. Therefore, I have no choice when I consider the quantity of Christ's forgiveness towards me to forgive others. We could say it the opposite way too. An unforgiving heart doesn't understand how much it has been forgiven. If you are unforgiven, unforgiving, it means that you don't know how much you have been forgiven. And let me help you. And that is why self-righteous people find it hard to forgive. You know why? Because they don't think they are bad enough sinners to even ask for Christ's forgiveness. So who are you for them to forgive? If, you, if you're self-righteous, you're going to be bitter. You're going to walk with resentment. Listen, self-righteous people can't stay in relationship long. They don't get along with people. You know why? Because, they, listen, they, they don't need to go to God every day and ask for forgiveness. So, if they don't need to go to God, why should you come to them asking to be forgiven? Who do you think they are? You are. Come on now. But when you consider how messed up you are, and that God took you from Mary Clay and set your feet on a rock, you look for opportunities to forgive people. In fact, here's what the scripture says in Luke 7.47. He who has been forgiven little, loves little. In other words, the forgiving heart is able to see a true view of self. Free from rationalization and free from denial. A forgiving heart realizes that in comparison to the perfection of God, we are all in the same boat. When I consider how perfect God is, I realize that I am messed up. In fact, we are all pathetic, helpless sinners in desperate need of forgiveness. And that's how we should see every day. And therefore, if we want God to forgive us and we are like this, then we must be forgiven to others. You know why I have forgiven? Because I have been forgiven. Listen, so when I wake up in the morning, I thank God for his forgiveness. So, so my new signal is looking for people to forgive. That's what I'm saying, I'm unbothered. Listen, I'm not going to make you mess up stuff between me and God. So before you do anything, you're forgiven. In fact, I'm telling you, it will set you free and it will stop people. Just walk up to them and just say, hey, you know what? Give me a hug. Listen, you're forgiven. And, and then wake up tomorrow again and say, listen, you're forgiven. And they keep asking, what, what are you doing? I haven't done anything wrong. You say, keep it that way. You are, but you're forgiven. <laughs> you, just, you just keep on doing that. The forgiving heart is able to show undeserved mercy to everyone. The forgiven heart. Undeserved mercy. Mercy means you get what, you don't get what you deserve. Really you deserve hate, but you're not going to get it. You're going to get love instead. Really, you deserve a, a, a distancing, but we're going to pull you closer because it understands the free gift of God's mercy. When you have received God's mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall 
obtain mercy. You see, you, you see, here's how it works. You will give mercy when you understand the depths of God's mercy. Again, let's come back to it. If you don't believe you are a bad sinner, and you believe you are this good, good, grew up in Christian kind of a person that really just got saved because you just needed to be baptized because you weren't really bad but the scripture commands you to be baptized so you're just baptized you just said the sinner's prayer not because you really were a sinner but because the bible said so then you're gonna have a problem showing people mercy until we really understand that we some we were some wicked people Look at the person beside you. Say to them, listen, don't act cute. Come on, tell them, say, don't act cute. All of us, just says you and me, wicked sinners. I know you don't like to hear that, but it is the truth. And when you begin to picture your life from that perspective, then you realize that I must forgive. Because Christ has forgiven me of so much. The flip is true. If we refuse to forgive, it's also a warning sign that we are trying to cover up our own sinfulness and our own need for God's undeserved mercy. When you refuse to forgive, here's what is happening. It means that you have sin in your life that you're not seeking God's forgiveness for. So you're hiding stuff. And so because you're not going to God... To seek forgiveness, no one can come to you to be forgiven. And, and that creates a next problem. Because it is this kind of attitude that hardens our heart. Sin will harden the heart. And unforgiveness will harden your heart. And that is why you have to let go your father. Let go your mother. Let go your aunt and let go your uncle and your grandfather and your teacher. Let the person go because your heart is becoming hard. And a, a hard heart is not at the place where God can work on it. So when our hearts are hard, it makes it impossible for us to enjoy the peace that comes from a close relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It's going to be hard for us to come before God with genuine heart when we have unforgiveness in our hearts. Yeah. Come on, lift your hand and say, I choose, I choose to, forgive. to forgive. Secondly, because we need to get down to some serious business. We forgive because a forgiving heart yearns for reconciliation. We not only forgive the person, but we also seek reconciliation. I don't know if you have, do you know someone who they live off conflicts? Like they try to find, like, like them love conflict. Oh my God, they love conflict. Like they just, they just, you see the argument, they are going to be in it. Like they are the ones who want to fight, like, like everything is an argument. Oh my God, the, nothing gets by. 
here, here, here's the thing. Every time you see them, they are telling you who's done them wrong and what they are going to do about it. Uh, let me help you. This is the Bible. I like to use scriptures as the basis for teaching. This is 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5. It's that whole chapter that speaks about love. It says, love is not provoked. I need to stop there and take a seat for all the people who get easily provoked to meditate on this for a little bit. Let me say it again. Love is not provoked. In other words, love don't get miserable fast. Love don't get perplexed in the home or you, you're just stressing me out of this calling. You call it, honey, mommy, honey, mommy, stop! Let me say it again. Love is not provoked. In other words, when you're living the love that the scripture speaks of, people don't bother you to the point where it upsets you. Amen? Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Meaning, love just goes past it. Listen, that's nothing, man. You're forgiven. I like how Jesus kind of did it, right? Hey, Jesus said, hey, why are you sitting right here? Seriously? I know it. You're going to betray me. Hey, in fact, it is the one who I'm giving the bread to right now. Judas here. I'm not going to call a name, but it, 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 the scripture actually said, he said that um, the one who eat bread and he was passing the bread to the one. So he, he did, just need to call his name. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Okay. I mean, that's always, hey, hey, I know you don't love me, but here's some food. I love you still. And I know you're going to talk about me. I forgive you. It's fine. Listen, I, I know you're going to criticize me in the office, but I bought lunch for you. Hey, you want to drive home later? I will take you. I know you're going to be having a meeting discussing me, but I'll still take you home. Yeah, yeah. That's what Jesus was doing. Jesus said, I know what you are going to do. <laughs> yeah, but guess what? Hey, let's eat. In fact, I'll go a little further. I'll not only feed you, I will wash your feet. I will serve you. Is there anything you would like me to do for you while you're going to be talking about me? While you're tearing me down, how can I help you? How can I serve you? While you're planning evil against me, tell me something good that you'd love me to help you with. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Being at odds with someone should never feel comfortable, and it, you, it, is, it usually doesn't. So if you are a believer, and you are not having good relation with your husband or your wife and you feel good about it, something is wrong. 
Right? You can't be a child of God and be happy when the relationships in your life are not working. Because how can you say you love God who you can't see and hate your brother? You know how it is when you see someone in the grocery store, right? And you wheel your cart around and head the other direction so you don't have to talk to them. And um, you see them walking up the staircase at church and you just bend down and tie your shoelace or fix something because you, know, you, you, you just want to make sure that they get there before you. forgiving heart is never at peace until there, there has been an attempt at reconciliation. I'm going to explain that because I don't want us to think like everything is going to be fixed. But as children of God, there is an onus on us according to the scripture to seek reconciliation for the purpose of the kingdom. And this doesn't mean we are willing to have peace at any cost. It, it, that, that's not what I am teaching because you should not compromise your faith and you should not tolerate sin for the purpose of peace. But there is a place of reconciliation. Let me say that again. You should not compromise your faith because whatever you compromise to gain, you will eventually lose. And whatever you tolerate, you will not change. So you can't tolerate sin to get peace. But there must be an attempt at reconciliation. I want you to hear me, church. Let me say it again. Whatever you compromise to gain, you will eventually lose. And you will not change what you tolerate. So we don't tolerate sin for the purpose of peace. And we don't compromise our faith for the purpose of peace. But we seek reconciliation. Also understanding that forgiveness is not cheap. Because the cost for forgiving people is very high. The cost to the offended person is to forgive and cancel the debt of the offender. And the cost to the offender is to admit the wrong and to repent. So forgiveness comes at a cost. Amen? Reconciliation, though, is a two-way street. Forgiveness is the offer of reconciliation. But that offer may be refused. There are persons who don't want any reconciliation. And that's fine. We're going to show you what scripture says about that. There are people who you may forgive, but never be able to reconcile with. Peter and Paul had dispute. Peter, Paul was saying, man, what kind of man you be, man? When you're around the Jews, you are talking about don't eat pork. When you come, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what was happening. When you come around the Gentiles, you're talking about eating pork. So here's what's going to happen. You stay over there, with the practices of the Jews. And I will preach. To the Gentiles. So the kingdom of God. May expand. So Peter preached. To the Jews. And Paul preached. To the Gentiles. So, But they weren't unforgiving. Towards each other. They had reconcilable. Differences. Our relationship sometimes. Is irreconcilable. We don't want to make it right. Instead of being peacemakers, we up to be peacekeepers. You know, peacekeepers come in to divide people. You stay there and you stay here. Peacemakers come in to bring things together. 
the scripture said, Blessed are the peace. The peace. Say, I am a peacemaker. So we seek to make peace. So Romans 12 verse 18. Here it is. It's going to come up right now. It says, if it is possible. If it is possible. Because not all the times it is possible. But if it is possible. As far as it depends on putting an chest and say, on me. Live at peace with everyone. So we must make an effort where possible to reconcile stuff. It can't be, hey, me forgive you, but you just tear to my way. Me forgive you, but listen, me forgive you. Hey, me forgive you. But, but me don't forget this. You think me going to forget what you don't tell me? Eh? Eh? Right? No, 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 no. Well, God said, you must forgive, but God knows that we can't forget. Because we know God. I, I, I mean, I hear. I'm telling you. Listen, the, the forget that the scripture used is not that it comes out of your mind. But it's just that when you forgive the person, you don't use it and bring it up to judge the person. You don't do the movie thing with them. I still remember what you did last summer. You, you treat it like the offense didn't happen. In other words, I forgive you. I give you a clean slate. There, there may be boundaries, but it's a clean slate. So, so you, you came into my house, and you take all the 20 cents that I had. Next time you come in there, put the money in a different place. You can still come to the house. It's just that this time, where you sit, I shall sit also. <laughs> I believe the Apostle Paul wrote these words in Romans knowing that while forgiveness is commanded reconciliation is not always possible and in that situation you you must satisfy yourself that you did what you could to mend things so you forgive and then you leave the rest to God if, if there is more you can do or should do, the Holy Spirit will let you know at the right time. So your prayer and say, God, give me an opportunity. Lord, I always pray, say, God, give me an opportunity to speak to the person where the kingdom of God can be enhanced. I, I tell you why this is important. Because there are many persons who are, are hurting because they hurt you. And they want to know that you have forgiven them so they can move on. And there could be salvation. There are people, if you offer them forgiveness, it is possible that they could turn their life over to Jesus. Because they know what they did to you. But they don't have the Holy Spirit working inside of them to come to you. They want you to come to them. And possibly they can turn to Jesus. Amen? Number three, we forgive because a forgiving heart works to destroy sin. In the same scripture, in in, in Romans, uh, uh, where Paul urges us to do everything we can to try to live at peace with everyone, he also says... Do not take vengeance. All right, all right. Just turn to the person beside you and say, Do not take vengeance. This is good. Like, if you're married, this is the scripture you need right over your bed. Like, in your bedroom, do not take 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you need this scripture in your house. But it says, it says, my friend, you could put, do not take vengeance. My son, do not take vengeance. My mother, do not take vengeance. My pastor, do not take vengeance. My husband, do not take vengeance. My wife, do not take vengeance. Staff, do not take vengeance. Boss. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. The moment you start paying back people, you are taking on Godship. People love to pay back people for what they have done. Alright, you did that to me. Look what I am going to do back to you. That is acting like God. The scripture says, leave room for God's wrath. It is God who takes vengeance. God will repay. It means when people do your things, leave it to the hand of the Lord. On the contrary, say, here's what you should do. If your husband is hungry, yeah, yeah, so, so, so wise, when your husband does something wrong, here's what you're supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? Feed him. So, the next time your husband does something wrong, cook a good meal. Husband, the next time your wife does something wrong, go home and cook dinner. Alright? Then give, it, give him or her something to drink. I'm telling you, food, food, food solves a lot of problems. No, it's in the Bible. It's actually in the Bible. If you go to your Bibles, you'll see it. Romans 12, 19 to 21. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In other words, when the person has done you wrong, the next thing you're supposed to do is do them good. Is do them right. You know how many times I've heard wives as well? Well, um... He was talking to this person on the phone, you know. So, you know what happened? Shop. Lock. I stopped cook. I stopped this. Well, because he was wrong. So, you know what? I'm going to show him. That is not him alone can do things. Husbands do that. So, the wife go and buy something or does something and they don't like it. Alright, well, the card stopped working. And then the lady says, okay, well, you take your money, I'm going to work for my own money. And, and, and then all of a sudden, the marriage starts to decay in all kinds of things. Because everybody is trying to be God. So you want to change people, you change them with love. Love conquers all. So when my wife does something wrong, I find a way to do something good. When your husband does something wrong, find a way to do something good. Listen, the time when you're supposed to love persons the most is when it's the hardest. That's when love is real. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You're getting quiet on me. The scripture says, in doing this you will heap burning coals on his head. Yes, that sounds like some dangerous stuff right there. In other words, if you do good when they do your bad, fire will be on your heads. So instead of finding clever ways to get revenge, we, we are told to offer food and drink to our enemy and this will help heap 
uh, burning coals on their head, right? So we, we, we have clever ways of taking vengeance. And people do it in church. They, they, they will stop serving. They will withdraw. They will turn up late because they really have an issue. And instead of, re, in, instead of forgiving and seeking reconciliation, they begin to take revenge in clever ways. And they pretend like they're not doing it. You know, you know, you know how it is. Like the husband pretend like he's not, he's not trying to be difficult. You know, and the response is, you know, you know, you used to get, hey, honey, how are you? And all of a sudden, you, get, well, you know, um, good evening. <laughs> what, what's happening? No, man, everything is all right. <laughs> yeah, everything is all right. Everything is all right. Listen, we ain't fools, man. We all know something is wrong in the heart. And the scripture is saying that, listen, this is the time that we do the good because in doing the good, we change a person's heart. So this takes us into uh, uh, the practical, active side of forgiveness. The offer for food and drink it absolu- is obviously a call to give what is needed and what will give comfort to the enemy. So that's what it means. When people do you evil, find a way of offering comfort. We're not talking about, right, uh, just putting yourself out there for people to use you and abuse you and, and mani- manipulate you. But listen, look what they did to Jesus. And remember, we treat people not how we want them to treat us firstly, but how we want God to treat us. The burning coals could have two meanings. It suggests God's smoldering, hot justice, and at the same time, it suggests mercy. Right? In, 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 in the Arab nations, you know, they used to give hot coals to anyone who was without fire as a gift. And this is where this whole thing came from. They would place the coals in specially prepared basket and place it on the head of the person so he could transport it to his camp. But it was also uncomfort- it was an uncomfortable gift because it was dangerous and it was hot. Anyone with heaps of coal on his head would feel the heat. There's nothing that affects your enemy more than the more they try to hurt you is the more you try to love them. Because you can't repay evil for evil. Watch this. When we do acts of kindness to an enemy, that person will feel the heat of exposure to God's perfect justice. That's what it does. They feel the heat to God's uh, perfect justice. What it means is that when you begin to be kind to them, it begins to show them up. It shows them up and it helps them to understand that something is going on in my heart that needs to change. So acts of kindness given from a forgiving heart can give the offender the opportunity to look deep inside and see what rules in his or her heart. When you start acting that way, the person begins to check and say, no, something is wrong on the inside of me. Something needs to change. So I have this thing, right? Uh, uh, when I go into business establishments, I look at the, the, the expression of the person. And when I see them, I mean, I mean, Jamaica is very strange when it comes down to customer service, right? In Jamaica, when you go somewhere, it is, why are you coming here? Why not go on your yard? Why not, why not, come, why not, why not come on the supermarket for today? Why don't you never just stay home? That's how Jamaicans, right? That's how customer service is. Like you go, you go to one of the food establishments to buy food. They're, you're annoying them. You're not supposed to come there. Right? 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's me. But that 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 that. I hear them. Don't 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 call it right. <laughs> but so when I, when I when I go to these places, here's what I do. I look at the demeanor of the person and I start to engage him. I say, I said, man, you're so beautiful. You should smile. I think you have a very good smile. And it takes down to your defense. I said, is there anything I can help you with today? Because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm there to serve them. Right? So I started offering my service. And all of a sudden, I get good service. Yes! That's it. You're so nice. Yeah. They ask, say you're a Christian? I said, well, I don't know what you mean by that. But, um, yeah, right? Because... But you go in there and you start saying to that man who is going to make your burger, fix your face, he may fix your burger. <laughs> Just trying, especially with food stuff, when I go in, I try to be cool. You know, because they're going to prepare my food around the back. I don't know what's happening around here. But that's what you do because it challenges the person. Even on their bad day, if you are good to them, people will be good. Even on their bad days. The issue is that we think if you are acting feisty, then I must. If you're acting rude, then I'm going to show you who's rude. We walk in and we say, listen, listen, I'm spending my money here and I deserve better. Could imagine Jesus walking to one of those places? He wouldn't do that. Amen. Amen. Every time we give our enemy the gift of good food and drink, we expose evil to the light of God's goodness. Giving food and drink means what is needed. It is not bitter, which would be given a strong answer without mercy. And it is not syrupy, sweet, giving in without telling the truth. But I have to warn you that giving food and drink to an enemy doesn't always have a happy ending. The enemy always feels shock and shame when they are given kindness in return for cruelty. And they may respond with repentance, but they may also respond with fury. In either case, change will occur. And there will, be, there will either be repentance and reconciliation, or there will be greater evil. So it takes courage to forgive. Because the outcome sometimes is not sure from a human perspective. But we know that God will forgive us. The forgiving heart gives a picture of the cross. Because it offers both wrath and it offers mercy. And so when, the, when we offer forgiveness, it serves as both a warning. Saying that God hates sin. And it's also an invitation encouraging the offender to repent. The warning, however, may be ignored and the invitation may be rejected. You see, Jesus offered full forgiveness on the cross, knowing that many would reject this costly invitation. And so when we follow Jesus, he calls us to do the same. The same thing in our daily lives. We offer forgiveness time after time. I remember years ago, one of the members said to me, um, I think we're asking how you manage with just some of the stuff you go through 
as a young wife maritally, given the context of her marriage. And she said she walks around with her handbag full of forgiveness. And she said before her husband does anything, she already gives him forgiveness. Because the truth is, we can change people. And I've yet to see where evil has changed people for good. It is love that brings the best out of people. And so if we want people to change, we must offer them forgiving love. So even though it's hard and it's costly, even though we know some people will reject us, we must forgive. You're at the point now where you say, well, pastor, that's very good. That's all good. But you still don't know what my mother did. You still don't know what my father did. You still don't know what my ex did. So tell me, how am I supposed to give this person forgiveness? The way of forgiving is simple. But it doesn't mean it's easy. So the hardest thing about forgiveness is that you can't fake it. You either forgive or you don't forgive. It's one of those things that cannot be faked. It cannot be. Because even if you say you forgive me, if your heart don't fix, you still carry the pain. And here's what I know in God's kingdom. Hurt people, hurt people. And if you have unforgiveness in you, you're going to hurt. It's unhealthy. If you're planning on getting married, make sure the person has forgiven people. Because hurt people, hurt people. It has to come from the deepest part of our hearts. Or it's not really forgiveness of, uh, at all. It's never just going through the motion. So let me help you with how to forgive. Five simple things. And they are very simple. Just say, these things are simple. And they are easy for me to do. Come on, come on. Just look at the person beside you and say, you got this. The first thing you have to do if you want to have a forgiving heart and forgive people is to humble yourself. Alright. So you know that that's not easy to do. Uh, <laughs> being, being humble isn't as easy as the church makes it. Uh, Alright, let, let me show you how it is. Do you believe you're humble? If you believe you're humble, put your hand up. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> You know what's funny, right? I, I saw a few people, right? Because even that we are, we are scared to put up our hands because we don't even, we're not even sure if you're humble. We, we kind of believe so. But you know who you should ask if you're humble? If you're married, ask your wife. Alright, don't ask, don't ask him in church. <laughs> right? But if you want to know if you're humble, ask your wife. Ask the people who are close to you. Ask your friends. Ask them. Do you think I'm a humble person? Let me help you. It is pride that causes us to go into the food establishment and demand that the person act better. Though we say we are humble, we don't put up with certain foolishness. Have you ever heard that? Listen. Though we say we are humble, you say, well, all right, well, that's what you're going to do. Let me see who in charge of this house. 
if, if, if one month is gone and you still have to let people know who's in charge of the house, you're not really in charge of the house. Like, imagine, imagine with me if every Sunday I came to church and I said to you, hey, people, listen, I want to understand this. All of you in here this morning, I want to know that I'm a man. <laughs> okay? Don't, don't, I am a man. <laughs> and, then, and then next week I come and I start up my sermon and say, listen, let me just set this straight. I want to make it clear. I am a man. You'd all think something. I'm telling you. If every day you have to be telling your household that you are the man in charge, something is wrong with you. Something is wrong with you. So humility isn't as easy as we make it. It is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. In other words, I'm confident in who I am in Christ. But I lay my life down for others. I'm in my relationship to serve others. I'm not going up the ladder by myself. We are going up together. I don't lead by myself. We lead together. I'm not the man. We are the church. It's not me. It's we. Part of the humility. I'm not the best around here. We are being the best around here. We humble ourselves. Because it is in humility that we realize that we need forgiveness from God. And that we are sinners. That's one of the first things in humility. And that is why only the humble can be saved. The second thing is you have to pray for the power to forgive. Because you have to pray say, God, give me the power to forgive the person for this hurt. And speak your forgiveness out loud no matter how you feel at the time. Just begin to speak out loud. I forgive so and so. I forgive them for this. And you speak it out loud because the power of life and death is in the tongue. You speak it and you believe it. Then you go to the offending person at a time when you think they will be ready to receive you and give some kind of demonstration of goodness without patronizing them or making yourself look superior. Don't walk up to them and say, listen, I'm telling you, God has just brought me to a new place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has come inside of me. And God has given me a word. And according to the scripture, my brother, I'm telling you, you are weak in faith. And God has sent me to you <laughs> at this time and in this season of your life to forgive you. Because it's good for you, my brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> mm, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you in Jesus' name. Don't, don't do that. What, but pray that God will set the time right. I, I don't know. They have a saying, don't eat, don't eat a cake when it's hot. And they say it's not that. What, what, how it says? Don't, don't eat it. What do, I, 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 we're trying to get it. You can't drink your soup when it's hot. I, like that don't make any sense because you have to drink soup when it's hot, right? <laughs> if it's cold, so I, I don't know, but, but right, but, but sometimes when things are hot, you need to pray. Bef listen, before you approach people, approach God. Before you use your time, get God's time. God must give you the time. So I always pray, God, God, open a window of opportunity for me to speak to this person. Let God set it. Listen, if, if you're in a wife of dispute, let me tell you what to do. Please don't do it when you come home from work tired. 
I don't call her when she's about to have hot lunch and hungry. Alright? Yeah, we have to be wise. It's not every time you can talk to people about serious problems. Don't wait until the funeral to approach your uncle about what he did to you when you were a child. <laughs> and see, you know, long more I see you. See, grandma dead now. So I can't tell him my mind. Wrong place, right? So, the point I'm making is that you have to ask God to give you the time. Alright, then make no immediate demands on them, but if it seem appropriate, tell them that you forgive. Tell them that you forgive them. So don't walk up to people and say, Listen, you know that pastor did a sermon about forgiveness and I know I need to forgive you. So let me tell you what to do because you want them to apologize to you first, right? So, so, so you finish and say, so you know, apologize so we can forgive you. <laughs> don't make any demands on them. Don't tell them that listen, if I forgive you, don't know this. You have to do this. Do not make any demands. Leave it to the Lord. Let God take vengeance where necessary. Finally, offer the gift of reconciliation. And then wait to see how they respond. You may be surprised at how many relationships can eventually be mended when we have a forgiven heart. In fact, Proverbs 16 verse 7 says, When a man weighs, please the Lord. He makes even his enemies be at peace with him. When your ways please the Lord, it makes your enemies be at peace with you. As we close today, I want you to understand that forgiveness is not a side issue for Christians. Forgiveness is at the center of the gospel. More than anything else, a forgiving heart offers a glimpse of the mysterious, amazing heart of God. Jesus demonstrated forgiveness constantly in his life and teachings. Culminating in his death on the cross. Imagine the impact on the Roman soldiers at the foot of the cross. When they heard Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Have you ever thought about that and said to yourself, No. Of course they knew what they were doing. The idea is that Jesus was saying, They don't know that what they are doing is impacting what I am here to do. In other words, what they are doing was impacting Jesus' very mission on earth. Do you know that some of you are where you are today because of some of the things that have been done to you? Like, like the stuff that has happened to you in your life has made your faith stronger in the Lord. You remember what Joseph said to the, his brothers? He said, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good and sometimes you need to thank people for some of the stuff you went through with them because it has made you better the scripture says in everything give thanks I don't give thanks for everything but I give thanks in everything for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning me there are many people that if they weren't fired, they wouldn't operate their own business. There are many people, if they weren't rejected at 16, they wouldn't end up keeping their purity until they got married. There are many people who, if they weren't evicted, they wouldn't build their own houses. 
I want you to understand that sometimes when, when we, we, we walk with unforgiveness towards people, the things that the people did have actually propelled us into God's purpose for our lives. Do you know that many books were written out of people's hurt and pain? Many songs were written out of those things. We forgive. All of us who want to follow Jesus will learn to develop the grace of forgiveness. Jesus wouldn't have commanded it if it were impossible for us to do. So I challenge you today to look in your heart. And don't be satisfied if you're holding on to bitterness and resentment. I suggest that you surrender your heart to God and let him fill your heart with his forgiveness. As we close, just bow your heads with me quickly. I'm very simple. There's a couple of things I want you to do with me today. I don't want you to leave here. Your heart is not big enough to carry a person on it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. It's unhealthy for you. You, you shouldn't be living in the pain when the person who caused you the pain is enjoying their lives. You deserve better than that. You deserve the freedom that the Lord offers. For the scripture says, The Son of Man come, or came, that we may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy comes to kill, he comes to steal, he comes to destroy. But he has come that we might have life and have it in all its fullness. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. If God has set you free, don't allow people to marginalize you, confine you, and put you in bondage by the pain that they have caused you. Choose to release them and let go of the bitterness and the resentment. And so, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just, just right now in this moment, just, just commit in your heart, just a lot. I, I release, I let go of every scar, every hurt, every, every bitterness, every resentment that I'm bringing in my heart. From childhood up to this point in my life, God, I release it all. I let it go. I empty my life of the junk. I empty my life of the mess in the name of Jesus. Now, just begin to pray and say, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. And I forgive. And, and if there's anyone who you need to forgive, just go ahead and say, I forgive. And you just call the name of the Lord. I forgive this person. Speak it out. Just whisper it right there. Don't, don't care if your neighbor is, is listening and you know that your neighbor is hearing or whatever. But, but just say, I forgive this person. I forgive them as you have forgiven me. Just praise the Lord if there is an opportunity for reconciliation. If it is possible, as much as it is up to me, I will be the peacemaker. Come on, just thank him, say Lord, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Listen, whenever we pray, God don't give us things. He gives us instructions. 
So he's instructing you as to what your next steps are. For some of us, it is done. For some of us, it is an opportunity is coming for you to reconcile. For some of us, you know, it has been reconciled. And again, this doesn't mean that you stay in the same place. It means that place. It means that, yes, I've been set free. And this doesn't affect me. You can hear the person's name. You can see the person and still have the grace of God and the love of God flowing in you towards them without any hate or bitterness. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in this building. Lord God, we thank you this morning for your forgiveness. We thank you that you have forgiven us of so much, of all our sins. When we we can't number the lies, we can't number the deceit, we can't number the dishonesty, we can't number the wrong that we have done from childhood to this point. And God, you have chosen day after day, moment after moment to forgive us. We thank you for your loving kindness towards us. And God, as you have forgiven, so we forgive. We release, we let go, we forgive. So we pray your Holy Spirit will rule and reign in the hearts and minds and lives of your people. I pray that we will give forgiveness because it is forgiven. We bless you. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Come on, just jump to your feet, I think. Come on, jump to your feet with me. Um, I think I saw the couple came in. Can you just stand um, Romario Brown and Rashida Richards? Are you just standing with your hand? Oh, that's them right there. Come on, just put your hands together for Romario and Rashida, right? Just put your hand up again so we can see you. Just make sure that there's any objection. There you go in here. All right. All right. So the notice of bonds will be placed and they'll be getting married. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Pastor Ray, he won't be here for a little while. You understand me? So um, he sits in the back because he's leaving and he doesn't want you to ask him for any, to bring back any Irish spring and those fancy things. But all the best, Pastor Ray. Um, on your trip uh, and your sojourn as you go and minister the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 Were you blessed this morning? Amen. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Jump to your feet. Come on, we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to do some different. Give me a Jamaican medley. Don't give me that song again. Um, give anyone. Just play. Just play one. Just go ahead. One, two, three, and. Any Jamaican. <laughs>